Sicha in the parshas by Yishlach and Yutus Kislev in the Kudus Sicha's Chelik Yud. So what is the beginning of the parsha? Starts with Yishlach Yaakov. Uh, Yaakov sends his angels to his brothers. So the word Malachim over here, you know, sometimes Malachim can mean an angel. You send some people, also they would be called Malachim. But Rashi says right away that it was Malachim Mamish. What does it mean? That he actually sent Malachim. He sent actually angels to his brother. He didn't send just regular people as messengers, but he actually sent angels. So the Rebbe brings down in the opening of the Sikha, the Sikha Vitiskislav, that my father in law, the Rebbe, related that this happened in the Parshish Vayishlach in Tov Kuf Lamed Gimel, and that was the last Shabbos. Uh, of the life of the Magad of Mizrich when he lived in this world, he passed away after that Shabbos. So it was Parshat Vayishlach, like this year, Parshat Vayishlach, and Yutas Kislev followed and he gave a, um, a, a, a um, an interpretation while he was laying on his bed. And the Chavrai uh, Kadisha was standing around him, the uh, holy group, so his students were around him. And he translates the words, Vayishlach Yaakov Malochim. So he quotes from the Parsha, the Yaakov sent Malochim. So Rashi says, Malochim Mamish. He sent the actual Malochim. So what does Malochim Mamish mean according to this Rashi's interpretation? Actual angels, not messengers, but actual angels. But he translated it. So Rashi is Malachim Mamish. So he says that what Yaakov sent to Esau was the Mamish of the Malachim. Malachim Mamish. He sent the Mamish of the Malachim. But their spirituality remained with Yaakov. Which basically understood in the simple context. It's understood. Which means a Malach is also made up of spiritual and physical. Just like a human being is the physical and the neshama, the spirit, the soul. A malach has a similar thing. There is a physical and there is a spiritual. So what part did Yaakov send to Esau? Not the spiritual part. The spiritual part stayed with him. But what he sent to them was just the physical part. That's understood in the first glance. That's what the Magid of Mizrish said at that point. So the Rebbe says we need to understand, you know, if this is really the meaning of it. Uh, so, why is it Take that Yaakov sent Malochim, actual angels? Why would he send my actual angels? Generally speaking, it's prohibited. One is not allowed to use angels for uh, regular stuff. You can't just use angels, even if you can command angels, but you're not allowed to use them. So why did Yaakov send the angels and not people? So it makes sense to say because Yaakov wanted with this sending of this Malachim, he wanted to sort of figure out and sort out Esau. He wanted to try to bring Esau back to a better, in a better place. Because uh, to do this, only Malachim can do. He sent Malachim because they have the power to do such a job. Uh, they can ordinary people, if Yaakov said, they can't fix Esau, but Malochim perhaps could fill their Esau. 
But if that is the case, so why would Yaakov send only the mamash of the malachim, only their materialism, only their physical? Uh, the ones that have, what part of the angel has the ability to fix Esau, if we need to fix Esau, that's mostly the spiritual part to accomplish the birur. So why would he send only the mamash? Um, the the uh, the idea itself is something which is very hard. The concept. What does it really mean? You're just sending the material, the mamish, and the spiritual living here. Uh, even if we're talking about human beings, you can't separate. Can you say that the body will do something on its own without the without the without the nefesh, without the soul? The body is secondary to the soul, and it's totally subjugated in all of its existence. So how could a, a body do something without a soul? You can't. How could the angels, for sure, when we talk about angels, the main part of the angels is their soul, not their materialism. So how could it be that the mamish of them goes there and their spiritual stays back? What does, what does that mean? So the Rebbe says it means something different than just a simple meaning. of. And another thing is because... If we should understand it in the very simple thing, it turns out that the interpretation, the way the Magid is explaining it, that would be uh, going just the opposite than what Rashi is explaining. Rashi is trying to tell us that it's actual Malochim, in other words, that don't think that this is talking about physical human beings. No, no. Malochim Mamish, it was actually Malochim, not, and not something else. The word Mamish tells us what? What does Mamish tell us? It's an actual Malach, not a, not a messenger, but it's an actual Malach. So we're trying to emphasize what? That it's Malach. So the emphasis of the Mamish is to tell you that this is really a Malach. And according to the Magid's interpretation, Malachim Mamish is to say, no, 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 no. He only sent the material part of the Malach. And by Esau, he didn't send them really Malachim. He basically sent them part of the Malachim. He just sent them the material Malachim. So it turns out that he's contradicting Rashi's Pshat. That didn't seem so that he's coming to contradict. So therefore... The Rebbe says in Ois Beis that actually that's not what the Magid of Mizrich meant to say, that he just sent them like a part of the Malach and kept uh, the other part, um, uh, which in other words, the very, the part that doesn't really exist, it's, 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 it's secondary to the main part of the Malach, is Neshama, and that he sent, and he didn't send the main part. But Rashi, what the Magid wanted to say, that even after he sent, he sent the entire Malach, the Neshama and the Mamash, everything. But even after he sent the Malachim to them, it was in such a situation that even after they came to Esau, and while they were by Esau, with their body, with their soul, fully by Esau, they never detached their connection to Yaakov. 
So it's as if that they're just there like physically. And only it's if they're just there with their mamish, that that's what they're there, just with their materialism. In other words, they felt that they still remained in the same place. Their main place is by Yaakov. That's where they are there. Their soul, their energy is still uh, by Yaakov. The, the reason they're by Esau, it's only like a secondary at all. They are there just to do the shlichus of Yaakov. Just like a body which is not by itself, but it's secondary to the Yeruchnia. So being there is just to fulfill the shlichus. But really, where are they? They're really with Yaakov. So now it turns out that the Magid's interpretation in Mamish does not contradict the simple meaning in the word, because the contrary explains it. That the possibility that he sent them the actual Malochim, how could these Malochim accomplish by Esau to be mevarer him, to sort them out? It's only while their soul, their spiritual, remained connected and tied to Yaakov and it doesn't change even while they're Esau. How could they accomplish by Esau? They must always stay connected to Yaakov into their source. So, it turns out, therefore, when the Magid says the Mamish he sent to Esau, that emphasizes more the simple meaning of Mamish, that he actually sent uh, them in a way and that they remained Malochim Mamesh, they remained actual Malochim because they did not exchange, nothing happened to them, they remained in that, in that, in that state. Okay, so basically this would be, I mean, the Rebbe doesn't bring it out to later a little bit, from this, but it really means that wherever you are, that you are Vayishlach, that you are sent, or Vayishlach, this Shama is sent, you always got to stay connected with your source. You always got to be, even though you may be physically removed there, but your spirituality, where do you really belong? What's your really source? That's back with your source. So, when did the Magid of Mizrich say this teaching? Uh, that was on his last Shabbos before his passing. So, uh, so that's kind of a, his last testimony. It's like his will. He gave a, made a will and an instruction, general instructions for the way of Hasidus for the following generations. This by Yishlach, this Torah. Now, who is the Magid? Who is one of the favorite Talmidim of the Magid? Dear was the Alter Rebbe. And we know the fact that the Rabbi Magid learned with the Alter Rebbe in a specific way and with addition more than he learned with other students. There is a known saying of the Rav Mardichev, he says, uh, we all ate from one plate, basically. So we all got, you know, it was the same plate. However, the Litvak, they used to call the Alter Rebbe because he came from Lithuania, so they called him the Litvak. So the Litvak, uh, that's the way it was referred to the Alter Rebbe by the students of the Magid. He took the choicest piece. I mean, I guess he had the Knedla. <laughs> so we all ate from the same plate. But the Alter Rebbe, he got, you know, the good stuff. So since this is an instruction that the Magid says close to his passing, so we need to assume that this is actually 
giving us a uh, the order of the work, the service that the Alter Rebbe was to going to institute, which means Hasidus Chabad. Now, this had a structure special for Hasidus Chabad. We know there was a statement of the Magid of Mezrich. He says Yutis Kislev is our uh, is our day of celebration, basically Yom Ha'Ilula of ours, because of Yutis Kislev. In Tovkuf Lamed Gimel, when the Rabbi Magid passed away, in that same day, in the year Tovkuf Nuntes, the Alter Rebbe went out to freedom because he was teaching Hasidus, revealing Hasidus. So it makes sense to say that this Torah that uh, Magid said, since he says it before, uh, his Yom Ha'ilula also has a special connection, not only to the Alter Rebbe, but it has to do with the Yom Ha'ilula, the celebration of the Alter Rebbe, which is the day of the redemption of the Alter Rebbe, which is Yutus Kislev. So what is the idea of the Geula of Yutus Kislev? What accomplished by Yutus Kislev? Yutus Kislev accomplished Yofutsu Maynesecho Chutzo. That the wellspring should be spread out to the outside. Although, that this whole concept uh, of Yefutsu Maynesecho Chutzo, what are we talking about? What are we uh, spreading out? We're talking about spreading out the teaching, the wellsprings of the teaching of Hasidus. That to teach people about uh, Hasidus, about the teaching of the Alter Rebbe, the Baal of the Magid. But since Yidin are very closely connected to Torah, Yidin are connected, tied to Torah, so once we say that there's something new in Torah, that there is a new revelation, there's a new spreading out of the Mayones. There's a similar thing, there's a, something new taking place by the Yidin too. And the same thing is with Yutas Kislev that we're saying over here. So, just like there's something new after by Yutas Kislev there started a new way of Yefutsu Maimisecho in the teachings, these wellsprings that are Yutas Kislev, you started to spread them to the outside what are we talking about here? We're talking about these wellsprings of the inner part of Torah. We call them Nishome der Aise, Nishmose der Aise. There was the soul of the Torah. Before Yutis Kislev, the things that were revealed and what came out, spread out, was only the part of the Torah which is called the body of Torah, Gufo der Aise, which is the nigla of the Torah, the revealed part of Torah. But the inner part of Torah, which is the soul of Torah, was hidden. Just like, for example, the difference between the body and the soul of a person. The body, you can tell. It's open. You can see the body. You can see it. You can feel the person's body. But you can't feel the soul. Not only that you can't feel the soul with, you know, with your five senses that a person senses things, physical things, but even with your refined intellect, you can't really uh, understand the soul. You can know that there's a soul that exists because you see that the workings of the soul and the body, so you see what it does, that the fact that you have a living body, it must be, uh, intellectually you can come to the conclusion that there must be a soul that is giving life because you see that you're alive. 
But what is the mahus, the essence? What is the soul? That's above understanding. You know, like they give example electricity. You don't know, people don't know what electricity is. You see what electricity can do. But you can't know the exact lahavdal. But the same thing is by the neshama and the, and the, and the guf. So up till Yutas Kislev, you could not see the inner parts. What did Yutas Kislev accomplish? That from then and on, also the hidden and the inner part of Torah came out to the open. So now we can learn and we can understand intellectually, just like you understand the Nigla Torah, you understand the piece of Gemara, a Nigla Torah. Not only can you understand Hasidus that way, you can even spread it out into the outside. So similar to what took place in the Torah, the revelation of the soul of the Torah, similarly, and through the revelation, there's also renewed level about Yid. That the Neshama in the Yid, which out of itself is hidden, is Behelem, should light openly in the body also. That is also accomplished. Should come out in the open. The soul should not be hidden. So what does this mean? It explains in Isaiah. There are two ways how the soul reveals itself in the body. Number one, the soul reveals itself in such a measure that it dominates the body and the body is subdued to the soul. But yet, you still sense there is an entity of a body. The body listens to the soul. But it's still, it's not that there's no entity over there. There's felt, the body is felt like a, an existence by himself, independent. But two, then the higher level is that the soul is so revealed in the body so that the body is no longer an existence for itself at all. That is when the true neshama is revealed in the body, you don't see anything else, it's only the soul. Let's talk about for a second, instead of the neshama and the, and the body, let's talk for a second about the goof and the animal soul and the vitalizing soul. Because besides, even a goy, lahavdil, has a life, a soul that gives him life. Doesn't have a neshama, doesn't have a godly soul, but has a neshama, has a life force, right? So when you talk about this, you cannot make a distinction and say, well, the body is an independent existence, and the body does the wishes or the will of the soul by command and dominance, so that the soul dominates the body. No, it's not that way. What happens is, since the soul is the life of the body, so he is united. The body is united totally. It's a total fusion, an essence, and total subjugated. It's not separate. It's not the soul needs to command the body to listen to it, but it automatically goes, does what it needs to do. Because it is the life of the body. By a yid, similar way is with an ashama. By a yid. By a yid, which uh, we are called an Adam because we are similar to the above. So to us, our physical existence comes from the godly soul. 
which means that the entire existence of the Jewish body is that it's a vehicle for the soul so that the soul should be able to fulfill the wishes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is dressed up in the physical mitzvahs. The whole body, what does the body of a Yid want to do? It only wants to do what Hashem wants. Tefillin, tzitzis, daka. And this is specifically, you need the physical body to do that. So what is the existence of the body is for this goal. That through it and with it, the neshama can go ahead and do its mission for the world. That's the whole existence, which means that the total existence, the goal of the existence of the Jewish person is only to become a dwelling for Hashem. So that you should be able, Hashem should dwell in you. As we say in the Posik, not in the Migdash, but in you, in every Jew. That's where Hashem rests. A person is not an independent existence. He becomes like, in this case, we call it an Isha Kishero, like a righteous woman to Hashem. Hashem is the husband. And this actually fits in with Yudalit Kislev, which today is the marriage. And we learned this morning in the Maimir. Uh, that the marriage of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Bnei Yisrael is, um, is for that purpose, for the Yid to be able to do the mitzvahs, and it becomes, in a way, that that whatever the woman owns goes to her husband, meaning whatever a yid has his glove is for the Abishter, everything for the Abishter. So it doesn't mean that the woman agrees to pass along what she got to her husband. No. Not only that. But the husband acquires it, which means it comes his automatically, which means it's for the Abishter. It's not like a second step. It's not like I'm doing something for the Abishter. But that's my whole existence is for the Abishter. So even those who have not reached that level to being like an Ishak Shayra Takodish Baruchu. But at least they're an Evet. They're like a servant Takodish Baruchu. But even a servant of an Evet, which is the okay, at least everybody has to, as it says in the Tanya, the first thing we have to serve the Abishter, even if we don't appreciate so much, we have to do it with uh, accepting, like an Evet, accepting the yoke of Hashem. So what is the halacha with regards to an Ebed? Mashakona Ebed Konarabi. Whatever the slave owns, owns the master. So it's not only that you don't rebel against the master. And it's also not that you just agree that you're going to conduct yourself with what your fortune, uh, and you'll do with it what the master wants. Or even to pass along what, the, what you own to the master. No. It means is that they don't belong to you, they belong to your master. Everything that you do, you're doing for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not going to you and then you're going for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but you're passing it for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we're talking about two levels. One level is that there's an expression of your neshama and you listen to the neshama even though it's not become totally yours. 
And the second one, the higher level is that the neshama expresses itself in such a powerful way that you are not in existence at all. And you are just there to serve the neshama, which is to serve the Abishta. So it says above these two levels in the revelation of the soul, which means that the soul dominates the body, or number two, that the body becomes non-existent, so they also represent the two types of services that we have. We know there is one thing that it says, kol ma'asecho yiyu l'shem shemayim. Kol ma'asecho yiyu l'shem shemayim means whatever you do, do for the sake of heaven. So that would mean like, for example, when you're eating, eat for Hashem. Which means, eat the Yav Koyach. When you go for a walk, when you go to sleep, everything you do, you do L'Shem Shomayim. So, even though you're not doing a mitzvah now, you're not davening, you're not learning, you're not uh, doing a mitzvah, you're just doing your regular needs that you need for your body, for your existence, you should do it L'Shem Shomayim. But there's another expression in which we say, In all your ways you should know Hashem. What's the difference between these two types of Avodah? The Rebbe mentioned many times. When we say all your actions should be L'Shem Shemayim, it means that the intention of what you do should not be for something else, for something in the side, but it should only be for the sake of heaven. But what you're doing itself is weekly. In other words, what you're doing is not is weekly, but you're doing it for a good purpose. But when we say, you know Hashem in all your ways, that's in such a way that to know Hashem is in all your matters and in all your aspects itself. It's not you're doing them in order to know Hashem, but in them itself, you know Hashem. You know, the action itself, it's not for a purpose, but they themselves become a vehicle to know Hashem. What it means is, what it really means is like this, because it seems like, what is the only way to come to know Hashem? So the simpler, the simple way would think, it's only through Kedusha. If you want to know Hashem, you need to learn the Torah of David, you need to fulfill his mitzvahs. That's how you know Hashem. That would seem the way to know Hashem. But how is a person going to know Hashem when he's doing optional stuff, when he's doing his own personal matters? When he's eating, when he's drinking, when he's doing business, when he's working. So that's why the instruction and the emphasis is that it has to be that the eating itself needs to become a kedusha and a mitzvah. Not only that you're going to learn and daven with the power that you get from the learning, but the mitzvah itself becomes a mitzvah. How? Like for example, when you eat in Shabbos, or you eat at a mitzvah's meal, or you eat the kachim. So over there, that's a mitzvah itself. It's not you eating the for a mitzvah. So you make, you're eating itself, you turn it into a mitzvah. So these two ways, whether you're doing your act or the purpose of Hashem, or the ways become mitzvah itself, they depend on two levels of the revelation of the soul. When the person's revelation is in a way that 
he dominates the body, the soul dominates the body, but the body remains as an independent existence. So then you're serving Hashem L'shem Shomayim, for the sigma, which means that the uh, optional matters, with this, the physical matters, are still, they are important. They have an independent uh, uh, existence, and they take up, you know, you, you, you take up space, they're, they're important. But body and all of its matter are subdued and they're bent for the neshama who dominates them. So there is gashmis, you have a body, you have needs. There are things other than the abishter, but you're doing it for Hashem. So you won't do anything only l'shem shamayim because you listen and you're subjugated to Hashem. That's only when the soul reveals itself that it dominates the body. But when the neshama is openly to such an extent that the body totally disintegrates, basically, becomes totally non-existent of itself, so then even when he does his physical matters and things in the world, it becomes a way of the eyu because there is nothing else. There is no, you don't sense any other existence. So he knows the Abish there, in them and through them. The Rebbe explains that more specifically, even in this level of Bechol Rachecha De'eyu, in more details we have two, two ways. Number one, uh, even when everything that you do becomes Kedusha, but still you can sense the physicality of them. So it's a mitzvah, but you still sense physicality. Say, for example, when you're eating on Shabbos. Eating on Shabbos is a mitzvah. Just the eating, the food, good food is a mitzvah. But what is the mitzvah? The mitzvah is to enjoy, to get good meat, basar shaman, to get good wine, old wine. So that means that the mitzvah, you're still feeling the physicality because you're enjoying it. That's the way you're delighting in it. So it's taka mitzvah. But the mitzvah, you're still here, you're still feeling, you're still sensing physical matters. But the number two, the higher way is that all of his physical matters are so subjugated and united with Hashem that his whole existence becomes kedusha, and there's no sensing at all. You don't feel any physicality at all. Not only because there is so much light of kedusha shining there, uh, because he is devoted to doing, knowing Hashem, but the physical matter became kedusha. There is no physicality besides Hashem. There became kedusha. And this we can understand how uh, the body uh, is subjugated to the energy of the nefesh hamis, to the animal soul that vitalizes them, as we used before. We know there's a fact is when the body is healthy, then you don't feel your body at all. If you're healthy, you don't feel anything. So when you don't feel your body, that means that you're healthy. It's specifically when you start feeling, when your head hurts you, your hand hurts you, 
something is bothering you. That's not even when you're feeling pain, but just you feel your body, just feeling your, your knowing that you exist, the body, you feel your limbs, whether it's your head, your heart, your hand, or your foot. So that is a sign and a proof that something in that limb or your whole body is wrong. Because all of a sudden you're feeling yourself. And the reason is because since your entire existence, your energy and existence of the body is the energy of the soul, so then you don't feel yourself by yourself. When you're connected with your soul properly and you got your full whole highest, you don't feel yourself at all because you're totally, it's only, you're not you, it's only nefesh there at that time. The same thing is true with the life force of the godly soul, that a healthy yid is somebody whose entire body and his entire animal soul, his portion of the world, are not felt as existence. Their entire existence is only the godly soul. So let's say, for example, when you're eating something, all what you feel is that you need to bring down godliness in the the food that has been eaten and through that food into this physical materialistic world by this eating and how does this take place by making the bracha he says baruch atashem alakeinu melech ha'ilom he's mamshich gardens to the world for that food shakal nebidvore whatever he's making where he creates so that's why he's eating the physical so he's eating the fruit is because he wants to bring down godliness into the world so he only, the only reason why he feels what he's eating, he doesn't feel the good food, he doesn't feel the taste. Only thing that he feels is, that a God is the king of the world, bring it down to the world. The same thing is when it comes to business dealings. Even though he does business like the regular way of business, like the merchants do business, but what is he doing business for? It's doing it for knowing Hashem. There's a story about one of the Hasidim they called him Rabbi Binyamin Kletzker. He was one of the great Hasidim of the Alter Rebbe. He used to deal with wood. He used to be a merchant of wood. So one time he was making a accounting of his business to see how much money, what did he write at the bottom? He wrote, Ain't Oid Milvadi. There's nothing besides Hashem. What was his total of his whole business? There's nothing besides Hashem. Not any numbers, not any figures. Not anything else. He, all what he knew is, that's, Hashem is the only one. So, all the details in the service of Hashem, the Rebbe says in Ches, which our teachers, the Rebbe's, our leaders, demanded from us, they started it out. Uh, they, they, they led the way. They did it. They made the path for us. Um, the same thing is as far as this goes, this matter, it's known the story about the Alter Rebbe, from which we see that the Alter Rebbe never even felt the physical. He was just godly. So the story goes that at one point there was a very important guest that came to the Alter Rebbe. So because he was so important, so the family people decided that they're going to distribute the various different work of the cooking and organizing of the food for his honor. So it was, but they forgot one detail when they organized this distribution, what everybody should do. Who of the family member is going to merit 
putting the salt into the food. They didn't divide that task. So therefore, when each person remembered later on, oh, we need salt. So everybody wanted to have the privilege to do that extra task that wasn't given out. So yet, each person put in the portion of salt in the food without telling it to the other person because they didn't want, they didn't want to take it away. So everybody did it. So when the food was brought in front of the Alter Rebbe and in front of the guest, the Alter Rebbe ate it normally. But the guest tasted the food and he put it aside. So the Alter Rebbe asked him, how come he's not eating? So he told him, it's too salty. How could you eat it? It's so salty. So the Alter Rebbe answered that when he was still in Mezrich, he was able to train himself, impact himself, that he shouldn't feel any taste in food. So you see that the food, the taste did not apply to the Alter Rebbe, even though that such a great elevated level only applies to such great people like the Alter Rebbe. But why, do we, why are we told this story? That proves that at least sometimes, special times, and in special situation, it's possible. And therefore we need to also to be in such a way, and even by a simple person, and also one who has not reached such a level that you shouldn't feel the physicality because of your great connection to Hashem, even at specific times, but at least you can force yourself or impact yourself, that you should be so busy in your service of making Hashem known that through that you won't feel the physicality. As we see vividly that if a person is in a situation that he's very, very uh, excited, he doesn't feel the taste of the food is similar than so. You become so excited in your service of the aid that you don't feel it. And this was, there says in his test that was accomplished, the Kislev, as far as spreading out the wellsprings to the outside, as far as the person, we're talking about the Eilon Kotten, in the street, but also to the people. What it means when we say the wellspring should be spread outside, there are two things emphasized there. First of all, that these wellsprings themselves should go to the outside. It's not only that the wellsprings should impact the outside, but they should go outside. And number two, that the way these wellsprings go to the outside is in a way of yofutsu, which means a widening and an expansion that is very big and very wide so that there is no empty space from them. If there is a space where the mayones, the wellsprings, don't reach there, that means that their expansion is limited. That's not the true meaning of yofutsu, expansion. What does it mean as far as the service of the person? By every Jewish person there is a well, which is the neshama, which comes from underneath the glorious throne of HaKadosh Baruch and even higher, Tahirah, it comes from the level of Tahirah So that well needs to be openly, also in his physical matters, that independently before the revelation of the soul, they're like chutzah. They're outside of the territory of his neshama. So that revelation of the soul, of the, of the well of the neshama, in the physical matter, needs to be in a way of your chutzah. They should spread out to the outside in these two details. Number one, 
that not only should the neshama dominate the body and its matters, but it should be in themself, which means that the service should not only be but it should be in the higher level. You should serve the Eibishter with them. That means the soul is there itself. Not for the person, but it did itself. But number two, that that expansion of the soul and the body in its matters should be in a way of your futsu, which means a unlimited expansion. So there should be no space left to feeling, feeling your body because your soul will take up all the space your soul, your mind, your own soul will be expanding fully in every part of your body. So now we understand the Rebbe says, no, yud, the teaching of the Magid in the meaning of Malachi Mamish that he said before you just kiss love the day of his passing. And we also understand it, how this connects to the uh, this teaching to the redemption of the Alter Rebbe to Kislev in which this concept of has been uh, renowned, that became at that point. The descent of the neshama below is in order to to sort out and to refine the body and the part of the world and to make it into a dwelling place to Hashem. And that's similar to the idea of Ayishlach Yaakov Malochim, he says to Esau, which means this agent was, this mission was, in order to be Mavarar Esav. So the Abish sends us down to this world to be Mavarar the world, as we said before as well. Just like the Shlichas of Yaakov to Esav needed to be specifically through Malachim Mamesh. Uh, so likewise, it's as far as Shlichas of the Neshama to sort out the body and the world to to correct the Tikkun Oilom, the Toyo of Esau, this is only by the person arousing by himself the level of the Malochim, his own spirituality. That's the Ruchnas in him. That's the way he will be able, by arousing your own Malochim, your own, you're sending your Malochim, your own spirituality to verify the world. You can't, you need to send the Malochim to go help you uh, to uh, verify Esau, to verify the worlds. Since the sorting out of the physical matters can be also in the way of Masachal L'Shem Shomayim for the purpose, which means the Neshama works with the body in a way that it dominates it, but it's still hidden, so that the body and the powers of the Neshama that are dressed in it and are, are still an existence that is still placed by itself. So, you could do it L'Shem Shomayim. So in other words, you could accomplish, you could be in existence and still work for the Abish there. So therefore, the Magi, in his explanation, he explained that the ultimate intention with the Berurim is specifically when the powers of the soul occupy themselves in the physical matters. Which means, the Malochim, when they go to Esau, is only in a way of mamish, which means that they need to be secondary and they need to be subjugated, they need to be totally connected to their spirituality in the soul. Which means that also the highest level of the soul, which is the mayan of the soul, which is higher than even dressing up in the physical matters, should be revealed, shining, and revealed in a way that it expands without any limit also in the outside. 
This is the, also the simple meaning of Yafutsu Maynesech Chutzo to spread the wellspring of Hasidus in every place and place. The order, the way our teachers, the Rebbes, our leaders, they organized the descent Shluchim to various different places to spread out and to reveal the teachings, the wells of the Hasidus. And also for this Shlichas, there is the instruction of Malachim Mamish, which means even though that it's very clear that the Shliach needs to do his Shlichas, not just to fulfill his obligation, but he has to do it with all strands of his soul. Nevertheless, he has to be very careful that the place, the chutzah that's in him, that, that in which he is spreading the wellsprings, should not cause any descent by the person. The person, when he goes out to work with the outside, must make sure. So in order to be sure that the chutzah is not going to impact him, on the contrary, but he's going to turn around and make it into a well of Kedusha. So the way, the advice is that even while he's occupied in the matters of Chutzah, he must have in his heart said the feeling that everything that he's doing is, is for the Mishaleach. He's doing it for the sender. should always know that what I'm doing here, in order to protect yourself, you have to know that it's only the Mamash here, but you're connected with the sender. And this is the instruction from the teaching of the Magid as far as the shluchim, in uh, the simple meaning, that only the body and the mamash should be occupied with the shlichus and the chutzah with Esau. But the ruchnis, the ruchnis should always be connected and tied to Mashalech to Yaakov, which means that it should be set and rooted in their heart, also in the time that they are spreading out, that their occupation with the outside is fulfilling the mission of the sender, without mixing in any side ideas which is similar to the body itself, the mamish, that the whole existence is only the spirituality and the soul that's in him. You're not doing it for your own success, you're not doing it for your own grandeur, not for your covet, but you're doing it just for the Rebbe. You're doing it, the shlichas that the Amishter sent you and the Rebbe sent you. So then the spirituality became becomes... Uh, they're standing with Mashalayach, so even though they're physically here, but they're spiritually, they're always with the sender. And we know the teaching of the Baal Shem Tev, that where a person wants to be, that's where he really is. So fulfilling this instruction, that the bitter of the Chutz of Esav should be, in a way, of Baloch Mamish, this gives the power to fulfill the Shlichas, that at the end, we'll be able to turn around the Chutzah and make him into the wellsprings, until you will merit the promise of all that we will all judge the Mount of Esau, the whole world. Also the Chutzah, which belongs to Esau, will become a kingdom for Hashem. This is Mesichus, Yutus Kislev, Toshin Chov Hei, and Shabbos Barsam, Yishlach, Toshin Chov Gimel.